0: Welcome once again to Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. A reminder here for you to subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure if you're not in your car, there's less cars on the road, although there are cars on the road based on my daily run to take a listen or listen at home while you're doing a few things. We have a really cool show. We have the voice of Fox Soccer, the uh, great John Strong. He is the Fox Sports lead soccer play by play announcer. We've already taped the conversation. It's fantastic. You'll definitely want to stick around for that. But let me introduce Vince. Hello, Vince.
1: Yeah, we had we had. We're going to shorten our conversation just because John was so good that that we yes. want to make sure that you guys can get to him. Uh, speaking of cars, Max, I drove my car for the first time in like four weeks today.
0: Oh, I went to uh, I went to a store yesterday. I had a mask and walked around. That's going to take. That's actually I'll never get used to that wearing oh. a mask in store. But I will do it. But I did drive. I'm going to go for drives. A little drive more often. Maybe just. Just to drive, not even get out of the car.
1: Oh man, I, I loved it. This is this is a Sierra reference City. This is a reference to a movie probably no one's seen, but it has Bill Murray, it's called The Man Who Knew Too Little. Uh the movie is basically him. He's an American, he goes to England, he gets wrapped up in a thing where he's in a spy network, but he doesn't know he's in a spy network. But to set that's just to set it up. But at one point he's driving the car with a lady and the lady's driving and she says, he goes, You're gonna have to let me do it. And the lady thinks he wants something nefarious. And finally, it, it splits screens, it goes back, and it's him driving. And he goes, oh, I feel so good. He's like, I just had to drive.
0: It's a good, no, it's just a nice to just spread your legs out in your car. Hey, Max, have you gone to the? the b- days are beautiful outside.
1: Have you had to go to the bank? I had to go to the bank today. Do you know how
0: weird bank, it was? California, the bank. That's, no, no, no. I, have to, I actually have to go to the bank. I have to do talk some uh, some mortgage chit chat, but I well, haven't gone. How I was that? Go,
1: I had to go to an actual bank with my LaFC uh, bandana on, and the first thing I said to the teller, I said, "I never would have imagined walking into a bank with a bandana over my face," and he laughed. <laughs> Jesse James. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now and then you pull out a gun and said, "Give me your money." Yeah.
1: No. No. But really, give me yeah. and give it to Let's me all in quarters because I need to do laundry. All
0: right, we have a, a, a few things to discuss. Another podcast featuring the most beloved man at LAFC. Larry no, it's not Legend. Carlos Vela. It's Larry Friedman. And that is a fact. If you, he makes his rounds, every staff member, security, everyone uh, in a, an LAFC kitchen or bar knows who Larry is. Uh, he's a wonderful presence. He and Jordan Harvey are combining for shooting the shot. It is up right now. It's also on YouTube and their first guest is Will Farrell. And they, they, and it's a musical pod. It's information, and it's a lot of humor as well.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. They uh, Jordan cool. even talked about it. I mean, he uh, they bring up. Will goes, oh, you, you got Larry with you. You used to have beta. And Jordan goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It made a little bit of upgrade. And, and and Will goes, well, is it an upgrade? And they had a good laugh about <laughs> about that. But then, right. yeah, w- welcome another, another podcast to the LFC family. I mean, we've had some bonus episodes, like you and I watching games. We put up a, a little bonus podcast of Bob uh, talking to Mark Dos Santos, which – if you, after you listen to this, please go listen to that. If you just want to hear two coaches, just literally I was part of it and I didn't talk for a good 15, 20 minutes. Cause they just, they just went back and forth, back and forth. And it was just like, we weren't even there. Um, but yeah, we're, we're adding more stuff all the time. So let, we're your source, man. So
0: subscribe to shooting the shot. Let's get them supported. And I can tell you there are some big plans for some huge guests. We go a little different direction with our guests, uh, a little with more soccer information to equip you, but we have different podcasts for all your needs, and shooting the shot will certainly fill another one. Let's go over some MLS guidelines um, with regards to a possible potential return of the league. The training hasn't changed. April 24th is still out there, but that still could be subject to change. Everything's moving. A a return to action in May is off the table. Obviously, different teams are going to be affected different ways with – news from washington dc that the governors whether in new york or california or texas will have a different way in returning back the economy and back to normal so all that it plays in part into when a return will happen but i know mls is looking into options potentially in the summer we'll get more details of that but there's also some mls guidelines with regards to season tickets as well vince
1: yeah, it seems like we're getting more and more talk or at least exploratory talks about when we come back, if it is sooner, which hopefully it is for all of our sakes, um, it's it's most likely going to be behind closed doors. And I know we have a lot of members, uh, LAFC members that listen to us and are wondering, you know, what's going on? I'm still being charged for my season tickets. The the MLS guidelines as of now are until the game is canceled. Uh, the ticket's are still in effect, which you're still going to be able to use them. Obviously as things get rescheduled, your, your tickets would still be valid, but um, I do want to point out to everybody that, that's listening. If a game does in fact get canceled or even what seems more likely now, uh, a game without spectators, uh, LAFC your season, your membership uh, can either be pushed down the road to 2021, which is when we hope no matter what we'll all have games and it will be back to normal or you know you can get a refund but as of right now there's no cancellation so there's no refunds but if there is a cancellation or if there is closed doors that would be the time where the you know your membership can either be pushed down the road or 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 refunded
0: and we appreciate everyone's patience in that Uh, it's obviously a very delicate situation but everyone is working hard for the best resolution and there's a lot at your fingertips which will help you with the club uh in, in every walk of life as well with John Strong coming up, we, are, we're, we asked him his best three. He has called a lot of big LAFC games his top three. We're going to have a top five. The top five most significant games for one reason enough in LAFC history, just as we look back at 25 years of MLS uh, last week with Dave Denholm. Before we get that, we had a unique opportunity, a conference call with Bob Bradley featuring not just the local media, but national media and all the big national media members were, were there. Uh, the names, Paul Tenorio and uh, Jeff Carlisle, uh, everyone certainly there. Kevin Baxter, who always gets the first call. He's like the White House guy in the front row with the first question. Every time. Good old Kevin Baxter. But it was nice. It was obviously just checking in, seeing some more specific questions. But there was a, a lot of interesting stuff. I think Bob is such a great resource for this. The His time in Egypt was brought up where they had a, a stoppage due to the Port Said uh, tragedy. Port Said tragedy and some similarities. So something that he has had uh had experience with, how he keeps in touch with the players and his coaches to be ready when doors are open. And you can talk on that a little bit as well. But I was taken by uh, some of the things he said about how he is using this time. And he mentioned Sunday Easter morning, he turned on the TV and saw Andrea Bocelli. And he was in front of the Duomo, to me the most beautiful cathedral in in the world. I know St. Peter's is much more elaborate, but the Duomo on its own, to me, is absolutely breathtaking. And it reminded him of when 26 years ago, he was there with his Princeton team, 26 years ago. By seeing that, there was an exchange between his players and coaches, and they all started talking and reminiscing. And it reminded me of what we can do during this time. You know, We see these moments, we have these moments. So important to reach out to folks and and talk about it, because there are moments. So uh, Bob's doing that. Uh, he's uh, obviously, he quoted Bruce Springsteen a lot. We're all learning about the Bruce Springsteen songbook and how it applies to real life. It's, it's really, it's actually, it's, it's quite moving. So I, I was really nice to just to chat with Bob. He had a, when I, when he said, Max brought you're next with the question, I saw a big smile on his face. There's no denying that.
1: Oh, no, I saw it. It made me happy too. You, you name check me also when you asked Bob a question. I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, it's with like anything with, with Bob, uh, a lot of stories have a lot of layers because I, I've known about. Uh, I remember talking to him about a little bit about his influences, and Saki of AC Milan was is a big influence on Bob and, and Bob's philosophy of how the, he thinks the game should be played. And he had told me that he brought Princeton to to Milan, but we didn't get into the stuff about the Duomo and things like that. So then to get another you know deeper dive into that story, it's it's pretty cool.
0: All right, so we can get into our top five games. Are we ready?
1: Yeah. Well, we'll right. should we should we list them off, both yours? Because I think we're going to have a lot of the same. And then the ones we'll talk about are the ones that differ. Right.
0: I actually have eight, but I have to thin, no, no. thin to it. Because I know I'm trying to find some different ones for three, four, five to hopefully not duplicate. I was trying to be cute. But knowing you, if I try, this is like that scene in the Princess Bride where they're figuring out how the poison is going to drink the yep. poison. I'm going, now you wouldn't put the, the top five on, you wouldn't put this on your top five. But then again, you might think I would. So anyway, yeah. Princess
1: Bride, good movie. Great. All man. right, I'll
0: do it. So I'll, I'll go with my top five.
1: Yeah, go with yours. I'll go with mine, and then we'll discuss these are most the, significant
0: games that have shaped LFC in three years.
1: Yeah, and then we'll go with we'll go with what the difference. We'll talk about the difference and why.
0: All right. Number five, I'm going Friday, July the 12th, a three-one win of last year, three-one win at Houston. You remember that game? Mm-hmm. Nine changes to the team that got knocked out by the Portland Timbers. An oper- A situation where they're trailing one zip where they could have – they were about to go down two zip, and then Mohamed el has that clearance off the line. And I always wonder in that game how it could have created a bad stretch. And keep in mind, LAFC, the next game, lost at Dignity Health Sports Park to the Galaxy. So you can imagine a three-game losing streak there, which could change a season. Yep. So instead – a lot of reserves turn that game to a 3-1 victory and i just think that's very important for that reason. So that's number 5. Okay. Should i keep going?
1: Uh yes. it's funny that, that that was that was originally Is my, my number 5 until my number 5 knocked it out. So so yeah, we're going to have some differences. I like it.
0: You want to do your number five, so we have a, okay. a back and forth. Yeah. yeah, my number. We're gonna f- have some repetition.
1: So my number five, and actually, again, it's the match that knocked that one out because I do agree with you that that match was uh, that was pivotal uh, in ways of not playing style, not necessarily formation or, or personnel, but uh, mentality. I mean that the fact that they had to have that short turnaround and play in Houston, it was gnarly. It was humid. And like you said, it was in between a, a Galaxy match. and But they were able to turn around. In in that in those first 10 minutes, it looked like they were going to get hammered. And then Mohamed el yeah. races back. He beats Elise to that play. Keeps it at 1-0. And they, they're able to flip the script. I think that's very important. So I knocked that out only because I wanted to go back further. And instead of the very first match for LAFC, which I know a lot of people were in Seattle and that would be in their top five or maybe even their number one. I actually went with the second match because I felt that that 5-1 win at RSL was where we wow. actually got to see the LAFC style of play and the football that we have now become accustomed with and we're now familiar with. Because Seattle was, there, there was moments, right? There was little bits and moments. I mean, obviously the first 15 minutes, That was a great LAFC team. Latif hits the post. Diego Rossi gets the first. But from there, I don't think I've seen much of that LAFC team that's held on for dear life. Um, Oh, Bob's going to hate that I just said that. But that LAFC team that that has really kind of had to hold it down and deal with a bunch of shots on goal. Um, So I think coming back, that RSL game, that was where we got to see a little bit, get a real idea of what the identity of the team uh, that Bob wanted to have.
0: Okay, my number four is a couple weeks after that game. Okay. In 2018. This is not good memories whatsoever, but I think it was significant. So LAFC had just lost to the Galaxy, this Latan game. Next week they went to Atlanta, and they were demolished. Five zip. Mm-hmm. To me, I put that game at number four, because that is the darkest period for LAFC, and it was a learning experience for the team. And I know it was because we have never, as a club, sunk to anywhere near that level. Mm -hmm. Five zip. And I remember Bob Bradley putting his arm around Lawrence Simon, putting his other arm around Carlos and having a discussion right after the final whistle. And I thought, this is is where Bob's uh, excellence comes through. They did that. They were able to fix it. Um, I think afterwards they went on a good streak of games where they didn't lose. I think six straight games without a loss afterwards. So I think as a learning experience, that game is important. And something like that, losing a game by not a ground, five goals, fourth goals, three goals, none of that has happened since. So that is my number four. It's a weird list to put on any best of LAFC list, but it's my number four and I'm sticking with it.
1: This is why we're best buddies, Max, because I don't have that game, but I have a loss. Like we're, we're, We're kind of simpatico in this. I'll say this, you picking that game, you're not wrong in any regard because after the season, John Thornton told me that that game was so pivotal to the rest of LFC season, not the galaxy match that match because of the way coming off the galaxy match thinking, man, we should have won that. And just to get smacked. Um, He said that that for them to turn around and the the mentality and the the look he saw in the player's eyes after that match, he knew that they had something special.
0: Yes. I will also add, I think five and four is going to be different for us, but the potential of one, two, three being similar might be there. Yeah. You carry on.
1: Yeah. You You can't be too cute. Five and four are similar, but one, two, three are going to be similar in one way or the other. So if number four for me is a loss as well. It's a more recent loss, though. It's it's the Sounders loss. Um, we've talked to the guys um, and in the same way that the RSL loss in the playoffs really fueled them to the supporter shield. I think this Sounders loss, they learned a lot. Um, they learned a lot about how in moments in one-off games like that, there's going to be times where you got to play maybe a little bit different. There's got to be times where, like you say, you got to have some guys that are willing to get their get dirty and get down in the muck and really go for it. Um, And maybe it can't always be pretty. So I think we know LAFC can play such a pretty and beautiful style of football. Um, But when it really matters, can they also get a little bit dirty when they have to and get a little bit nasty? And I think that Sounders loss is going to be the genesis of maybe that final piece to the puzzle for LAFC to have not just a beautiful side to their game, but a side of their game that's ruthless. All
0: right. Uh, by the way, uh, what, what what you what you wear? I mean, this is a video. We have an au- this is an audio podcast. What you got wearing there?
1: I know it looks it looks kind of like a kit, but it's just a shirt with a fun little yeah. little pattern. At first, on it. it
0: looked like that outfit that uh, Eddie Murphy wore in uh, in Coming to America. No trading place tra- trading, places uh, trading places where they were trying to fool uh, Clarence Beaks, and he came out there, and he was like the exchange student. It looked like the shirt anyway.
1: Yeah, it has a, it has definitely has a motif to it for all you art students. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to number 3 and
0: it was September of 2000 September 25th 2019 the supporter shield it was just a euphoric situation uh the end of a lot of hard work to win the first trophy not just that but having a situation where it was it, it changed the way supporter shields and trophies are being presented. I've never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was a party. The trophy went everywhere. Everyone got their hands on it. That's something no one could say. Like when someone wins the Super Bowl, when somebody wins the NBA championship, the trophy doesn't go into everyone's hands. We all had our hands on that trophy.
1: Yeah.
0: Everyone who worked for the club, supporters, anyone who wanted to hold that trophy that night was given that opportunity. I have never seen anything like it. I don't think we'll see anything After, Although I would say that I think LAFC has changed the way that trophy is presented, which kind of was innocuous. We don't notice it. And now it's something to really be celebrated. And maybe it changes the way the league looks at MLS Cup and the sports. MLS Cup is still the trophy you got to go for. And Seattle, give them credit. They know how to navigate the playoffs. And LAFC one day will know how to navigate the playoffs. But until then, that is going to remain on a a many top five list as we move forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, so our three are probably going to be the same. They're going to be the same. They're just going to be a different order. But my, my, right. that's my, my third also. And I, I, I'd say this: you're, you, you can't really establish yourself as a club until you win a trophy, and that's why this moment is so important. Um, I would slightly disagree with you on the MLS Cup thing. I, I, I would say, but I would only say this: it's not that MLS Cup isn't. It's not that Sporter Shield is better than MLS Cup, but. All trophies are important man when you're a club you just go for everything and when you're a yeah. big and when you're a big club you go for everything that's why you know the treble has become so important in European leagues things like that so I, I would say that that that's why that's important because man trophies are trophies i don't downplay them and that's why that's why I think both you and I when we saw the celebration we're like that's see that's what you're supposed to do the Open Cup should yeah. be celebrated in a similar way The Supporter Shield should be celebrated. When eventually somebody wins uh, CONCACAF Champions League, I guarantee it'll be celebrated that way. But that's the way you celebrate. Celebrate, especially, it's an achievement. It's a season-long achievement. How could you not want to hand it off to all your fans that have been there and gotten to to be a part of something for six months? I mean, it, it was a beautiful thing.
0: I think the word supporter and supporters are so important to the lifeblood of lafc as they are for every club but more so with this team and they are a, a big part of everything we do that i think that word involved in the trophy gives it that much more gravitas more value as uh, as anything you could put in a trophy cabinet although that one is that one is nomadic that goes everywhere all right number two and number one i'm sure we have the same two we'll see if they're in the same order i want to make the win over Leon number one because I think league-wide it signified a shift in the way we approach the CONCACAF Champions League. But be, out of respect of number one, I'm going to make that number two. It is the best performance LAFC has had, bar none. It was a, a world-class opponent and they undressed them. They beat him three-zip. They didn't allow a shot on goal. It was uh, something you saw in the eyes of Leon that they were never experienced, never anticipated. It's something that resonated in me, in Mexico, which we can't get front page information there or uh, coverage there, but we got it. I remember we were. I was in Leon for the first leg and the, the media was, oh, Carlos Vela leaves without addressing the media. That's because they had to get on a plane right away. Uh, oh, this LAFC team, not as advertised. For them, after sitting in Mexico in my hotel room that night, hearing all this, and for them to change that, was you know it's one of those pump your fist moments yeah and this is number two on my list but that is the best LAFC has played and the just how engaged the players were I'll remember 25 minutes in they were running so hard I go there's no way they'll be able to maintain it Vince and they did it Mm -hmm. for 90 minutes and they got the goals they needed
1: yeah we're going to be flip-flopped because Leon's going to be... Okay, I'm glad. Leon. I'm glad we're flip-flopping. Yeah. When I think, uh, for me, on a, uh, you make all those great points about Leon. Um, they're my number one because uh, of the the atmosphere of the match. I mean, watching, I, I don't think I've ever been prouder of this team in, in any moment. And I think that's why, even though I was so proud of them when they beat the Galaxy in that playoff match, I just, I knew that that was going to happen. I really just knew that was going to happen. I mean, we we right. have played so well against the Galaxy i had no i had no clue what was going to happen against Leon and and just personally man finishing that match and being remember we were all together in that room and we got to celebrate and pretend like we were fans for a moment cuz normally we don't get to um, that was something that really was special pathetic. to me. That was pathetic. We it were a was bunch awesome. of school kids. No, no, no. It was awesome. We <laughs> were it
0: dropping been... F-bombs. We were mm-hmm. like swilling beer. Actually, we weren't drinking beer, but we, were... we weren't <laughs> drinking
1: yet. But it, it would have been pathetic if we had done it in the view, plain view of everyone else, like happens in some <laughs> press boxes. So, Many of people saw it though. <laughs> yeah. But you know, well, I remember Aubrey had to come in the room and check on us because we were so loud. <laughs> the yeah. press box could hear us. But it, man, I was a little, I, honestly, I was a little misty-eyed when we finished because it was just I was there with all my favorite people, both in the room and outside the room, and just seeing everyone. And then, man, I my hand was sore after the high fives that I got from the players and the coaching staff on the field after. I thought they're going to break my wrist off. So that that has to be my number one. But now you present your number one, and I, which was my number two. Uh,
0: okay, so. Uh... I'll go number one. Obviously, it's LAFC 5, Galaxy 3, October 24, 2019, the playoff game. I know it looked like they were going to win. I think we knew it was going to happen. The fact the game went some – meandered in some directions where it was a little intrepidation. They, in every fiber, if we did this a few weeks ago, Leon would be number one. But the conversations that I've had with supporters and how important it is for them to beat the Galaxy, it was hard for me not to put this at number one. And you're a man of the but the Leon game would have still felt empty empty if we went into, for the supporters, not for me, mm-hmm. if we went into 2020 without having beaten the Galaxy. And who knows if they would have, th- everything around this team would have been much different. You know, if I just look at chronological order, you know, serendipity says, you know, this wouldn't have happened if this ha- did happen before. And maybe things would have been a bit different. But I think it's just that catharsis where you get it off. And you finally do it. it. It it's it was so needed because it was getting so heavy. People were, were having conversations we shouldn't have had. You know, some supporters going, Hey Bob, we need to beat the Galaxy. Go, no, it's it's all good. But they were able to clear it in front of every eyeball. Obviously, the eyeballs for that game superseded Leon, champ have Champions, a big time tournament, but it's not getting the exposure when you're having a game that's on ESPN and got record ratings. So that's why it's number one. It's a shout out to the supporters. Again, one and two, anyone can exchange them because they're both good answers.
1: Yeah, you make a good point about how it precedes the Leon game because if they lose that Galaxy match, I mean, oh boy. we we like to think that, that players would say, oh, man, I want to come back. We're going to do it again. They might. Some. They, can you
0: imagine what that stadium would have been like?
1: Yeah, some personnel, some some personnel might have wanted to move on. Some decisions might have been made that might not have been the best Tough decisions ones. in light of them. Um, yeah. So I think you're right, but yeah, you know, one it's 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 tough because they're like one A and one B, right? And they were so much fun to be a part of. the The best part was they're both at home, um, so we got to celebrate it. We got to feel that instant rush of having the crowd. Uh, Galaxy match, man. I'm trying to th- think. I'm trying to remember like a good, good, like unique memory. I do. I do remember sitting there, and it was two 0 up and feeling precariously happy about it. But when they got that first one, I was like, yeah, okay, okay maybe. And then when it was 2-2, I was like, oh, is this is this how it happens? And in my, in my head, I knew that this was the thing that we couldn't do to keep going, oh, is this how it happens? Um, and I think in that moment where Diego Rossi gets that third goal, and it was such a classic Diego Rossi goal, that was when I was finally like, no, 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 we're doing this. I don't care what happens. Even when it got 4-3, we were, we were doing this because it, they just knew that, and it had to been it had to been the vibe from after that three three game. You have Carlos come out; they all knew that if Carlos didn't come out of that three three game injured, they're winning that game. And so you knew that once, even at two two, they were like it, it. And that's why maybe it got knocked down to two for me because I saw something in in that team where they they knew it just had to be this time, and it was going to happen regardless. But I can't, you know, you can't begrudge one or two of it. I think you either way you got it. It's, it's very easy on that regard.
0: Good. We'll, we'll tweet out our top five lists and you, we'll encourage everyone to do it as well. But we want to get to this interview. We're going to take a quick break. John Strong will join us next. The Fox Soccer, Fox Sports lead play soccer play-by-play broadcaster will be joining us here shortly. We've already done the interview. It's really cool. You're going to enjoy it from a different perspective, but a guy who's called and been in this stadium, a bank of California, and called a lot of the big games. That is next on Inside LAFC. Welcome back to Inside LAFC, and uh, we're very happy now to welcome in the Fox Sports lead soccer play-by-play announcer, a guy who has called the big games in LAFC, also called the last goal or the last game before we entered our quarantine. So you are part of MLS, for that matter, football history. John Strong, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Don't think I haven't thought about that uh, once or twice. And, and I've actually – I put the request in – You know, there's so many variables, but I know that there is an attempt on our part to try to the, – whatever the first game is going to be – when this is all over, I think we very much would love to have it on FS1 for that sake of being able to sort of bookend this this you know thing in time. But uh, no, I'm as I said a moment ago before we started recording. Thank you for having me on and thank you for giving me like an hour to talk about soccer because you know it's been like five weeks now and nothing. So I, I appreciate it, guys.
0: Well, it's our pleasure, and you're an amazing resource, and you're a great dude by and large. And I know hey. in the last few weeks I've had a chance to carve out some time with you, and I've really enjoyed it and to see your career. Uh, develop, it's an inspiring... And, Are you I mean, just saying I, this
2: because I sent you that picture of you in like 2003 or whatever oh I found on YouTube,
0: yes. is that what this is? I sent it to my wife and she kept staring, I was like, wow, that's a nice <laughs> photo of you. And then I posted on Twitter and we, it opened up a Pandora's box of old Fox Soccer Channel, nice. Fox Good. Sports World uh, dialogue. Wait, but, Max, uh, before
1: you overlook the, the picture part, John, can I tell you that in the LAFC office, we love finding old Max photos?
0: Oh, and, yeah. And I mean...
1: Well, there was a day I got to tell you. I just got to tell the story quick. There was a day where we there was the, there used to be this little sandwich place that we could walk to, and we're walking to this sandwich place, and somebody had been exchanging photos through text, and that person was in line to get a sandwich and was looking through their text to find what the sandwich order was, and in there is a picture of Max, and Max goes, "Hey, what the hell is that on your phone?" And he goes, "Oh, sorry." He goes, "No, not Very cool. No, not Very cool, creepy. man."
2: <laughs> See, and I, I had one of those moments because uh, – so Root Sports Northwest, which has been the Timbers broadcaster since they were Fox Sports Northwest back in the USL days, they've been airing some of the old games. And that was the thing the other day. It was a 2011 game, uh, Timbers Kansas City, and it was like me showing my kids like this is daddy with hair kind of you know, when I was like 26. So, so it is, it is, I've at least been doing this long enough that there are those throwback opportunities to like, remember when I was young and stupid and didn't know what I was doing and, but they put me on TV anyway. That was kind of fun. You know, now I'm old and stupid and they put me on TV. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to get into, this is an LAFC podcast. and are we, gonna, do long, we shoot up most of the hour already? Or yeah, yeah, we're no, done. No, no, no. Thanks. We're nice having you. You want to go an hour? We said, I told, I told the Fox folks 30 minutes, if you want to go longer, we can. But I, I want to say something because I, look, I, 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 when I got into this industry, I wanted to do soccer, and I was always amazed that when I went to ESPN, so few people uh, prioritize soccer. They said, oh, "I do baseball, but maybe I'll do soccer." I'd like to do the NFL, and there's a long line. I look at you, and you approach soccer pretty much from the jump. You went to University of Oregon, and you were covering uh, collegiate soccer. And I think it's a really good lesson for people who want to do this for a living on how you have to approach it. So, I mean. It, it, before, we'll get into LAFC, but I think this could be a really good appetizer because there are some young people who'd like to get in this industry, and I think you're a great person to see how to do it well.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, there, in the there's United a lot of
0: States ways. specifically, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. No, there, there's a lot of different ways to answer that question because, uh, okay, so think of it from like a thirty thousand foot viewpoint. So, you know, guys like Jack Edwards or guys like uh, Dave O'Brien, uh, Gus Johnson, you know, who who were sort of pulled in. To you know, we need to have a lead soccer voice that is recognizable to the casual sports fan or we need to have an English accent or and I don't know just that there wasn't the available bandwidth because there were guys like you and like JP Delicamera and others um, that that absolutely when I, you know, was coming into Fox and doing stuff, I, I had that conversation with executives from time to time. of like, so you only do soccer, which is a two part question. Number one is you only do one sport because you think of most big time announcers. They do a bunch of stuff. And yes, absolutely. it. And you do soccer. That's the one. Um, and and it's been it's been neat without doing too much navel gazing that I've been able to come up just having done soccer, that I've been able to be in the right place at the right time over and over and over and over again to be able to rise to a to a position um, that I have at Fox, be able to call a World Cup and do some of this stuff. And and to now almost come back the other way, as opposed to guys that have come from other sports into soccer you know, I've got the opportunity to – I did some college football. I did the dog show. We talked about some other stuff I might do to come around the other side of it. And it, it is it is fun because I've been in a place in Fox that I've had multiple bosses that have really laid a line down of like, no, we don't need to import someone or something else. We need to find – in fact, John T. Whitehead, who was English, who is English, um, was my boss for a long time. And he was like, I want to find that American voice for the world's game. And it's been – it's been cool to sort of be a part of that process. The trick for me now is to keep it and, and to stay here. But, um, you know, again, yeah, without without making it too much about me, I do take very seriously what my potential role could be in just this burgeoning sense of what American soccer culture is or is not or, or will be, absolutely.
1: I'm curious, John, because you, you said something that, and I know we're going to get into LFC like Max said, but you said something that uh, kind of piqued my interest because it's a question that I get, I know Mac gets, and I'm sure you get is, how do you get into sports and you said something and kind of, you just, you're kind of always seeming to be in the right place. Do you find yourself having a tough time giving people advice for that reason? Cause they always want to, they want to hear that crazy story, right?
2: Uh, you know, but the advice I give them is you, if you're going to be, I mean, anyone who has any success is there because of other people. A- anyone who has any success is because whether they realize it or not, the health and support of others. Um, And so what you do is you try to, if the door is going to be open to crack, it's your job to bust it down, to lower your shoulder. Um, You know, my thing is always, there's a lot of stuff that's outside of my control. I don't necessarily have, you know, Gus Johnson's pipes to use the industry term. I don't necessarily have Ian Dark's rhetorical flourishes. I don't necessarily have some of these other skill sets, Um, but what I can control is I'm going to work harder than anyone else. I'm gonna prep ideally better than anyone else. And I'm gonna focus on being really good at the other things that fit my skill set. And so that's, you know, Clive Charles, soccer legend, whether people know the name or not, it would take too long to explain, but one of his mantras was always control the controllables. And that's what I've always tried to do. So if I'm gonna be the benefit of good time and good providence, what can I control? Make sure that when given the opportunity, I'm working as hard as I can, I'm listening to feedback, I'm trying to be as good a teammate as possible, that I can stay there and sort of earn my place and keep it. And that sort of, that's universal. Whether anyone follows a similar path to mine or not is uncontrollable. What is controllable is what you do when given the opportunity and then making sure that going back, you know, there's the old saying, don't dress for the job you have dress for the job you want. Call, you know, if you're calling small high school soccer, pretend like you're at a World Cup. Treat it seriously. Go about it the right way. That's what I always tried to do because you never know who is going to be listening that day and you never know Ah. who's going to be giving you that opportunity based on on what they've heard.
0: Great, great advice across. I would add that being at the right place at the right time, there is a sixth sense sometimes about knowing where that right place is. So I think you have to give yourself a lot of credit for that. I would give myself credit down the road for, for somehow being at the doorsteps. But obviously uh, that little crack, I think that's great advice, a little crack at the door. But once it's there, swing that sucker. Don't
2: open. don't discount, though, Max, the influence that you've had as as one yeah. of those American guys that I was watching on Fox Soccer Channel for many years and sort of understanding, you know, that 2007 Gold Cup finals, a great example of like, that's what I want. I want that. How do I get there? So so don't, you know. Don't discount yourself through false but modesty. I,
0: well, I I appreciate I appreciate that, and if anyone want advice, I'm here, and as far as John as well to advice, because honestly, I'm looking for the I'm looking for that kid who's like 13 years old and saying I want to do that, and I know they're out there. We just got to connect the dots because you know yeah. this sport. Should I, be I on talk the same to a lot level. of them.
2: It's Good. it's really fun. I I know I'm training and equipping my replacement eventually, but it's the same thing that <laughs> Later you know, JP, sooner <laughs> JP has done for me. You know, so yeah. you're just trying
0: to pay it back. Yeah, I used to see JP at the. Uh, Hartford, uh, BDL, Springfield Airport. That was our meetings. I go, where are you coming? I'm coming from Philadelphia. I'm going to LA. All right, and we'd have there, and we'd have a, a coffee there. So it was, it's very nice. He's a lovely guy. There's great people in this industry, and you are certainly amongst them. Thank you. Thank you for that great advice. We want to, we anyway, want to get, great to be with this. you guys today. Really enjoyed <laughs> yeah, the chat. All right. <laughs> By the way, that on its own is is good content. Our superiors will be very happy, as will the thirteen year old somewhere in Kansas City or Nashville, hoping to be the next in line.
1: Max, how did we stumble into consecutive weeks of people just lavishing you with praise? Bill last week, oh, you
0: know, uh, we had uh, no. Last Dave week, Denholm. we yeah, and we had Dave was...
1: Denholm last week. We were doing twenty five years of MLS, so obviously Max is going to figure heavily into that conversation with Dave as well. Uh, it should be said, but. Dave I was I gave, there in
2: those early days. I was first at fourteen forty doing stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was—he was one of those dudes always in the hallway there, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. I gave—I gave, gave them is a, a nice contemporary old geezer. Yeah, <laughs> I had a nice oh. little little thank you to them, and now you come on and you're telling Max how great he is. Max is going to live off this for like the next six months. Is, is this even
2: being published, or is this just you killing time? You're just sort of bringing people on to sort yeah. of speak great about. This.
0: Let's talk about LAFC because you, like all of us, have been there from the beginning. You have called for better and for worse some of these LAFC games. I mean, the I think you're oh come on with Zlatan. It's probably some LAFC fans remembered it. to say
2: great. it to this audience, but yeah, yes. that was pretty
0: but cool. That's okay. But on the flip side, you've been there and you have lavished this club with some incredible awards during your broadcast. But from the beginning, let's go back. Your perception, your expectations for what LAFC was and what they became in this almost three years
2: you know it's funny so one of my other conversations today um Felipe Cardenas of the athletics doing an oral history of Atlanta United's first ever game and and really it was Atlanta in 2017 that that changed that because up to that point my experience in Portland in 2011 and the Timbers were better in 2011 than I think they're remembered as an expansion team but it was still like you're not supposed to be any good it was Atlanta and LAFC that blew that out of the water and yet still I can remember with LAFC there was that period coming into, like, the first of the year in 2018 where you're like, are they going to have any guys on this roster? Like, what what exactly is this team going to be? And it was a very sort of late-arriving process. Um, and, and it was still, you know, we'd never heard of Diego Rossi. We weren't entirely sure what Carlos Vela was going to do. You know, you're building through, you know, Dejan Jakovic, okay, fine. Uh, Tyler Miller, you know, okay. Mark-Anthony Um and, and that's, you know... What it really should have come back to was the structure that was built, and that's why it was successful, is the structure that was built by ownership, the structure that was built by guys like John Thornton and Bob, and a lot of it comes back to Bob um, and, and the structure that he built. That that LAFC have always been greater than the sum of their parts, no matter how good those parts have been. That you've been able to get, you know, Latif Blessing and Edward Atuesta and these guys, you know, Eddie Segura. And they and they just gel and they become so much better than what you thought they were individually. And on top of that, absolutely, it's and this is one of the things that I've so enjoyed about being around LAFC and doing LAFC games. They've hit L.A. They've hit Hollywood. We had a a brush with that when Beckham first signed where it felt like. Those games were the place to be. It was sort of like, you know, me growing up as a sports fan, I was a huge Trailblazers fan. You look down at the Lakers and the Showtime Lakers at the forum, and it's it's that. And it's celebrities at the game, and it's an exciting style of play. We haven't had a lot of that in MLS, and LAFC have brought that from day one. And, you know, one of the things that I even looked up, because I was looking at the games that I've called, 12 of them, LAFC, wow. um, including CCL. Average more than four goals per game. I mean, we've had, and some of them blowouts, but it tells the story of like we've also had some just ridiculous games and the atmosphere that's been created. I'm, I'm also listen. I have the longer term view, even though I've only been in the league since 2011, where. What's it look like after five years? What's it look like after 10 years? How does it continue to grow and to build? And I've seen where Seattle got to 10 years and had a bit of an existential crisis last year, which ended in a title. So that tells you something. Portland is in that process now at about the first decade trying to, okay, where are we going here? What have we built? What's the purpose here? Um, Not that I'm expecting this to happen, but I was thinking of this the other day. Orlando came on the scene like gangbusters. And we were like, Oh my goodness, this entire city's into this team. We went back for the All-Star game last year. Didn't feel that way. Hmm. New York City, similarly. Um, you know, the first couple of years for New York City, huge crowds at Yankee Stadium. The second year they were playing the Red Bulls. It was the seven nil game. They shut down a couple blocks in Manhattan. The league did to have all these events and these things for this this game and you felt like it was the one of the biggest, most hyped games in MLS regular season history. Can anyone remember anything about the two games the Red Bulls in New York City played last year? Things can change quickly, and, and I think that's what what excites me about LAFC is not just what they've done till now, but because of the people that are in charge and what I've seen of them, that there is a confidence to continue to grow and to push because, and this is what we said our last game that we did, LAFC is very, very important to MLS. It's important to have a big team in a big city. It's important to have a team with stars that's winning. It's important to have a team that's successful in CCL. It's important to have a team where, you know, Will Ferrell is your ambassador and, and it brings MLS into the mainstream. And so that process needs to continue for the good of the league, even though, you know, a Galaxy fan, a Sounders fan, whoever else might sort of cringe at that concept. It's true.
1: I'm, I'm curious about you. You talk about 2011 and you're, you're perfectly placed in that renaissance of uh, MLS uh, supporter culture. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on the LAFC culture and kind of how that's evolved. And, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's made Portland has up their game. I think, I think a lot of other fan bases have really upped their game. And now we have a, a much more diverse kind of almost international style culture. I mean, Max brought it up the other day. There's away fans. Like, that's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that never happened. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of different ways to answer that question. And a lot of my answer is probably redacted for the purposes of this audience, uh, just because I am a full fledged Portland hipster that we did invent soccer in 2009 and 2011. Um, at the very least, it's a very good thing that there are a lot of cities and fan bases that can lay claim to this. No, we're the best. No, we're the loudest. No, we're the most colorful. That's a good thing. That was not the case in, in the MLS that I came into, really. And specifically about it, to your point, Vince, this is something that I've talked about a little bit with people last year or two. One of the signs of the growth of MLS is how many of these clubs have a distinct identity that you could tune into a game. And if we took that score bug in the corner off and and it wasn't obvious who the two teams were, could you figure out either through maybe the jerseys? Maybe it's the style of play. Maybe it's a star player. Maybe it's the sound of the game. Could you tell which team you're watching. And LAFC have been able to establish that identity very quickly. The black jerseys are part of it. The style of play is part of it. But a game at Bank of California Stadium sounds different than a game at Providence Park, than a game at CenturyLink, than a game at BMO Field. Not about better or worse, but it, it sounds different. It sounds unique. And that's been something that I have loved to see, is creating a culture building that culture out i have so enjoyed seeing the way that that the 3252 have engaged in such a, a palpable way with different ethnic communities around la it has been really cool to see and it sort of brought those things into that melting pot of of how does a game at bank of california stadium sound in addition to building those deep roots that it doesn't burn bright and burn out like sometimes uh, we've we've seen with clubs in mls and sometimes that's just an la thing that it's the Dodgers maybe one day and it's the Lakers one day and it was USC for a stretch and it was the Rams briefly. And it sort of goes around and how do you, how do you build those deeper roots? And so I love it. I think it's great. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, again, I, I, as a high schooler, I was in the Timbers army back when it was measured in dozens and not thousands. And we would go to games in Vancouver and Seattle, 10 of us. And so That's in my blood as an appreciation of supporters' culture and of how it's grown. It's also a little bit in my blood as as far as what my standard is uh, of what I like and and what I expect. But what what LAFC have been able to do in a very short amount of time um, has been really, really, really impressive. And as I say, that makes it uh, one of the fun places for us to go and call a game for sure because it makes my job a lot easier. I don't have to do too much there. I can just shut up for stretches on end, and it sounds great, and, and I love that, especially, you know, I remember I called a game there last year when I had laryngitis. I had no voice. I should have been pulled off the broadcast, really, and thank God we were down there because I just, I didn't have to do too much. There were like five goals and and the 32-52, and I could just sort of sit there. It was great.
1: Your, your, bigger, was- your bigger picture point is something that Bob actually brings up a lot, and it's it's always surprised me and Max a little bit because... Bob is so focused, obviously, and you've had your conversations with him, and that's actually going to be my bigger question is what's, what's it been like to talk with Bob. But he's so hyper-focused on football. But on, on top of that, he does talk about, you know, games look better under lights. Um, you know, you want atmosphere. He he is definitely keyed in on, on the product that that is putting out. And your point about saying, could you put on a game where literally you can say, I know what the team this is, and I know what the team this is without seeing the score bug. I think that's a, that's a great point. And again, to kind of throw that question out to you, what have your conversations been like with with both bob bradley in, in that kind of vein
2: yeah lights and also the, the wetness of the field that's a yeah. big bob thing It's a lot of light. <laughs> it's all about so it's service. interesting I, I i had never met bob before lafc i had not you know he he sort of left american soccer in the in the summer of 2011 and that was when i was just in as the local announcer for the timbers and so i only knew bob bradley from afar and and you know, watching those stories and and really getting engaged in the story when he was with with Egypt because I love I love where soccer and culture meet and and the documentaries that were made and the interviews and the books that were written. Uh, we we talked about one of the books that I read last year that there's there was a chapter about him and his time in Egypt. Um, I think it was Thirty One Nil was was the book and and he talked a lot about that. So I sort of came into this thing of like you know this is Bob Bradley this is big time. Different to Stu, who played for him at the World Cup. Different to our producer, Shaw Brown, who's known him forever and ever and ever. Um, And Bob's one of the guys that I try to keep my questions very short, very to the point, and I try to listen. And I try to uh, ask him about things. You know, if you ask him something way out of left field, you're not going to get anything. But if you can ask him about something that isn't just specific to the game – We've had some really interesting conversations and, I, and I've and i really enjoyed that. And one of the things I've learned about the Bradley family, they watch everything. They hear <laughs> everything. Yes, we know. Uh, <laughs> and, and I include Michael in that too. And, and yes. <laughs> some wonderful interactions with Michael over the last couple of years that I so enjoy as someone who I greatly admire uh, as a player and as a person. And and the same thing for Bob. Um, it, it is. It's it's very different than, than Peter Vermees, than Bruce Arena, than some of these things. But... You always come away with something that he thinks about the game so holistically, I guess, is the word that he thinks about all the different elements of it. um, And he has very specific viewpoints on it, but he enjoys talking about it, too. And and so that's again that that's a conversation I always look forward to. It's a very different dynamic than I have with some other MLS coaches. Um, But as I said, I always enjoy it because you're always going to hear something that you didn't necessarily think of. Uh, in that way or you hadn't you know those sorts of things it's always substantive in that way even if sometimes you know the the strict x's and o's of the upcoming game is something that sort of bores him and he would rather not you know spend a bunch of time talking about it yeah
0: you have clearly logged some time and look uh john i'm an old dog at this and i've done many many interviews and the, the old dog new tricks thing is not does not ring true for me because the art of the question i have learned how to ask coaches and certainly for bob is the standard and i've done that with other coaches on not how to waste their time and be specific so i'm really glad you brought that up because bob's made me a better interviewer because uh, he holds
2: to us the same standard that's the thing it's it's you know you know terry henry is the same thing there was a clip earlier this year with terry henry where he sort of chirped back at a young reporter who asked a really poor question and and I see it as someone like Bob holding reporters to the same standard that he holds his players, to the same standard that he holds himself. Do your job well. Um, And you're you're not going to get away with a lazy question. You're not going to get away with with a bunch of cliches. You have to be somewhat more smart in how you approach it, which I have no particular problem with because it does. It makes you better. And sometimes what happens – Uh, I've fallen into this trap with Bruce arena, particularly the early days of sitting down with Bruce when I was sort of nervous and intimidated by this is, you know, Bruce effing arena that I'm sitting here with (laughs) and you start rambling because his answers are very short. And then you start filling up the space with your own talking and you sort of, it's an out of body experience where you're like, what on earth are you doing, dude? And it's been, it's been really good with Bob to just sort of like, no, ask a simple open-ended question and just listen to the answer. Um, and and it's, and it's been fun. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it.
0: I want to backtrack big and, and change the quest here, but uh, you 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 brought up the, uh, the first of all the genetic code of LAFC, and I might I, I might get some backlash for this is laced with some Portland Timbers. Obviously, our president Tom Penn, went to the Timbers. I, and I knew saw Tom their culture.
2: Penn is the Blazers' assistant GM. By the way, I yeah. interviewed him a number of times when I was at the radio station up here, so I always got a kick out of the fact. That he ended up in soccer thanks to Merritt and the thing in Aspen or whatever that story was. Yeah. Listen,
0: and and Portland LFC is no love lost, but I keep in touch with Merritt because we have similar musical tastes and the like. But we keep in touch. But there's a connection there, and I mean it's right now the rivalry is obviously the Galaxy and uh, and Timbers a little bit uh, below that. It's it's and the gap has closed over the years. But the animosity
2: is genuine from LAFC to Portland Timbers. It is, and that's that was one of the things you know it's one of the games we've we've lost basically in this time was going to be portland and lafc and i think like the 22nd of march and i was so looking forward to that it's like these teams really don't like each other this could be great
0: but it was kind of organic how it started so i I wasn't gonna ask you but i wasn't gonna i was gonna ask you something else but let's talk about the rivalry and the importance that it does we know lafc galaxy but there there's these blurred lines between teams that i see more and more which excites me and I mean, as a broadcaster, as as TV, radio, streaming, we all gravitate towards that. This is really, to me, the lifeblood of the league, and we have to accentuate it.
2: Very big on, I like selling it, but I'm very cautious not to oversell it. Um, I'm reminded of, if you remember last summer when the Galaxy and and LAFC played for the first time, it was a Friday night in July in Carson. And that weekend on the Sunday, we were doing Portland at Seattle. So we all watched the, you know, the fireworks that night, uh, Friday night on TV. And then Saturday morning, we're in Brian Schmetzer's office, Sounders coach. And I sort of led with, you know, what did you think of that last night? And he sort of, I'm not going to do the full Schmetzer, but the way he <laughs> leans back in his chair and he's like, yeah, it was all right. But when they have 40 years of history, they can call me kind of a thing. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. Perfect right Schmetzer.
0: But it, <laughs> it is,
2: perfect it's, it's that's sort of his thing. And so that's where my you know i have not said el traffico on air once and i'm not going to until we're at least five years in like let's let these names i didn't oversell new york derby for that same reason i remember dax mccarty the first time it was red bulls new york city he's like they're not our rival they're a brand new team dc united's our rival and i was like yeah atlantic cup let's go but there are also these other smaller rivalries that exist that that animosity is built up between certain teams in certain ways it's not always linear i can remember for how many years Every team was up to play the LA galaxy that stretched 2011 to like 2015 where they had the big target on their back and the galaxy would always be like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, and then it was a game 2015 against Seattle. And art is apropos of nothing, I hate these guys. I really want to beat these guys. And we're like, whoa, that the Galaxy saw Seattle as their big rival because they'd had some playoff battles, um, including the year before. And I remember talking to Brad Evans right after. And he's like, I don't know. I mean, it's a big team, but Portland's our rival. So sometimes these things sort of move and shift and and they're organic. But but it's important because it is. It's I think one of the biggest challenges for MLS is going to be. Do you care about a regular season game? Is there significance around it? Does it feel like an event? Does it have consequences to it? That's one of the things that LAFC have brought. And, and when I thought about the games that I've done, the LAFC games that I've done, where it feels like it's an event, it feels like everyone's watching, and there's there, it comes about in different ways. Um, and certainly, you know, I do that where you know I was asked last year on a radio interview before we did the game in August, Galaxy LAFC, like what's the biggest rivalry in MLS, and I'm like always going to say portland seattle like this that's just my thing that's where i'm from it's 40 years but what's the most important rivalry in mls right now it's galaxy LAFC because it's it's an event that it's important and it draws eyeballs um but but you can't oversell it you can't invent it you can't fake it what was it called the super classico chivas usa la galaxy yeah. for a while like like you know yeah. what i mean like some of these things we we force and we push atlanta orlando not a rivalry too one sided. It's it's not a it's not a relevant game, really. Um, you know, and and so yeah. When you say when you then have like where there's genuine animosity between LAFC and Portland, it adds some spiciness to that game. That kind of stuff's important as well, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, go when when we went there for, for the reopening of the refurbished stadium. I was
2: in the stands that night. That was one of the best atmospheres that was awesome. I've ever felt at, at a Timbers game. I mean, it was it was electric. And man alive, did LAFC play that game well and just take the air out of the stadium? That was such an impressive away performance by them to just sort of sucker punch the timbers. And they just didn't even know how to respond at that point. It was, it was impressive.
1: So, John, we're, we're to, to te- tell everyone how the sausage is made. We're recording this before Max and I are <laughs> going to go back and do the first segment. First segment is going to be we're going to be talking about, you know, the the. The five most influential LAFC uh, games.
0: I prepared John. I said top three. I didn't say top five. But yeah, no, he doesn't have to do
1: five. He, but I,
0: I want to I so ask. So you. I have, so I have so three so and so a half so ready. ready.
1: Well, I, I love that Max before, he goes, hey, do you think we should have John Strong on? I go, of course. He goes, you know, I think he's called bigger LAFC games than I have. And I go. Well, oh, without well, question. Well, Max.
2: <laughs> it was the same. When I was the Timbers local announcer, it was like Seattle would come to town. Okay, here comes, you know, Adrian and Taylor for ESPN. Great. You know, all right. <laughs>
1: I mean, we have more. It's in very good hands, though. I can say that. <laughs> Max, do we have more? We tilt more national games than we have local games, right?
0: So we far? have. So we are. It's seventeen national, seventeen local. There you go. And uh, I'm sure, as for many reasons why John pointed out, and I love what you said about regardless of the opponent, an LAFC game always has this stature that in a in a certain world that. They would take 30 of the 34 games, and to be expected, think, and that's yeah. a good feeling.
2: We've we've talked about that at a league level. It's like how the NBA ripped up their their manual when the Warriors caught fire a couple years ago. And yeah. it was like, we just need to put these guys on TV. We've had that. but And you include CCL. I was actually due to be calling four of the team. first six LAFC games because we did the second leg with Leon. We were going to do the second leg with Cruz Azul and just sort of ride that train all the way. So, yeah, that was – I had a running joke with Nate Bucati, who's the, the sporting Kansas City uh, sporting, announcer, yeah. that in like 20 – Twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen, we were there all the time. And the joke was that like it was actually my booth and I leased it to him for local games. <laughs> and I, I feel that way a little bit with LAFC right now. Yeah.
1: Get him. Get him, mate. <laughs> well, I don't I, Max has already had the conversation with you, but I, I, I wanna Max, what was the context? Did you say most influential? His favorite? I mean, I, I would uh, I'd like him to go anywhere with it. Three of the just the ones you want to talk about, John. The, the
2: three most they, they significant, say, yeah, yeah. I think, was Let's the way go. that I I think it's the All most significant. Right, so, and
0: I said, win or lose, whatever you, carries. The yeah, well, so that's what I was gonna say.
2: I feel a little bit guilty because you guys have shown such hospitality to bring me on. <laughs> As a club, L.A.F.C. shows us a gold standard of hospitality. Oh, that's good. To uh, hear. Giving us food at the practice facility when we come in, uh, we get those wonderful cappuccinos. I spilled one once, and I got a second one. It's always such first class treatment at LAFC. So I feel guilty that like the three top games that I've called only one of them is a win. So I added an honorable mention, which was <laughs> the the first game at bank of California stadium. The game was terrible and, and it needed a moment. And it was like the one time Stefan fries ever really made a mistake uh, on the Simon free kick, but it needed that. But I just remember, I think I said on air, How, however, this sounds to you at home, I guarantee you it's a hundred times better here. The energy you've got will Ferrell with a Falcon down below, because why not? Like it just it was it was incredible. Again, it felt like big time pro sports. I've done a lot of MLS games that have not necessarily felt that way. Oh, yeah. Um so I I guess the the three sort of in reverse because uh, I'm a nerd and I
0: No, it has to be in reverse. It has to be in reverse. Yeah, so so number three
2: last August we did at Bank of California, the three three draw between LAFC and the Galaxy, and specifically we, it was a triple header for us that day. We hosted the day from the stadium. We were there at like noon. and I was baking in the sun. It was sort of awful. But, uh, and, and I remember before the game, the game segment from the field and the stands are packed and there's a buzz and I'm looking around. I look up and I see there's, there's magic Johnson and there's Will Ferrell up there. And I look over there's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar holding a Falcon. There's Natalie Portman walking <laughs> around. There's Matt Liner behind us. It's, all, it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is, you know, again, I've done a lot of MLS games that are not like this. I did a John, real quick. I ran, I ran
0: into John. Uh, I ran into Kevin Costner in, in the uh, urinal line too. just sure. to sweeten the pot. Of course. <laughs> I, I
2: once I once did a Chivas USA game against Portland. It was a July Wednesday at noon and they invited school kids and it was the worst experience of my broadcasting <laughs> life. So I in both sides of it. And so that was and then it finished three three. It was this wild game. It's like, you know, this just it feels big time. It's great. Number two. Uh, was the game the other week, the, the Leon second leg. I, I've, I've called a lot of CCL games since 2012. My first game I ever called for Fox was a CCL game August 2012. I've seen that movie so many times. That movie ends with Leon scoring in the 96th minute and advancing. Um, to have that sort of a comeback, but the the way that they, they pressed the game, they pushed the game they outplayed Leon in the way they did like it never you never really thought that it was actually going to turn against them it just my own cynicism and mental scars of all the, the the MLS collapses I've called in CCL the atmosphere was off the charts i mean we were actually calling it uh, in in the studio off Mahler for for reasons that are less fox than concacaf and even then, like, it just felt so big. And the next day, we flew overnight to Nashville. The next morning, we're in Nashville. And it felt like everyone in American soccer had watched that game with us and had shared that with us. And that's why I love CCL. And it was just so, such a fun experience that it's, again, reason 819 why it's such a shame that all this has happened because of how excited I was for that Cruz Azul series. Number one – I mean, listen, it's the the March 31st, 2018 is one of the biggest days, maybe the biggest day in MLS regular season history to date. I mean, it just it rarely does a sporting event get hype as much as that game had and so over exceed the hype. Um, we've had all of these games re-aired in the last couple of weeks, and I I watched like three minutes and it's fun nostalgia, but then I turn it off either because I know what happens or because it makes me sort of sad for what I'm missing right now. I watched that. I mean, I was cooking dinner and stuff, but we kept it on the whole time. Like, I watched the whole thing. It's still such a special day. You know, that call of Latan's goal. is like probably my second favorite individual play-by-play moment, but it sort of stunned me in the days afterwards how it went around the world and back twice. And it just, to have something like that happen in MLS, and it set the stage for every game that's followed, you're just, you, you, you end that game and you go, I can't be luckier than to have been a part of that. That was really special. So as much as it, you know, uh, isn't a great memory for an LAFC fan per se, it, that's always going to be a special day in my life and my career. And my, I mean, again, it was a spring of 2018. We went from that game. Four days later, we called Ronaldo bicycle kick for Real Madrid against Juventus. Um, and then we went to the World Cup from that. Like, it was just this crazy spring of, of stuff that that always is just going to stand out in my mind.
0: Uh, again, just to preface – or no, now in postscript – this is the top three that John has called. So hey, I may mean, some people, may, trying, some people may be yeah, I, I, the I game playoff game with the galaxy. did. you know, some of
2: those other things I have not necessarily called. Yeah. Uh and the, that was part of the problem. There was a stretch of time we would come in thinking this is gonna be a big game, and LAFC's blown the team out. That Seattle game last year was was a disaster. We're like, this is good Seattle's best ever start. They beat them 4-1. It wasn't even a game. I actually made a joke on air. I'm like, this is actually hurting us, that LAFC are too good right now. It's, you know, that they're blowing these teams out. So that's that's part of the context, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I would say, look, LAFC fans can look at that game back in March and say, oh, God, it, it still stings. But it's such an important part of the development. And I think Bob, more than anyone, sell that game is a huge opportunity and this, the week after, when they lost to Atlanta Five Zip, as a huge opportunity to to shape that team, so it was yeah. not a lost afternoon by any means. And Bob will probably be the, the first to say it. it's important in development. So there's, there, I don't think there is, there is no other answer when you look at that. And that kind of paved the way to where we are today. So that's a good list. Uh, one, one, and happens. one.
2: <laughs> well, and I was gonna say, I mean, listen, we we have MLS Cup this year. Whatever that's gonna look like, whatever that's gonna be. Um, I, I was so blessed to get to do that MLS cup in Atlanta two years ago. It was, it was a really special, he had 70,000 plus for an MLS cup and it just felt big. Um, it's going to be between us and ESPN, whoever gets that LAFC MLS cup, it's going to be blood sport. Um, (laughs) that's going to be a feather in one network's cap. That's going to be forever a wound in the other. So that, that's the other one that and winning the CCL, those would be the two on the horizon that would be really, really sort of special out there. Yeah.
0: If, if, if that happens, come a day early because we're going to have a boozy night. All right. Oh, by no, by... <laughs> we, we come like way early. Like that's the th- if
2: anything, <laughs> the only person who's rooting against that is Stu Holden, because when you call a home game, you don't really get to enjoy it in the same way. Like like Portland home games are harder for me because I'm splitting my time between dad and husband and like I'm not. Getting tickets. Hell, I'm not doing... So it's, it's a lot of stuff, you know, whereas when you're it's a true away game, it's so much easier. So. Uh, in the same way as like MLS Cup in Portland would be kind of fun, but it would be kind of less fun. So I think that's sort of how Stu would view that situation. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, John, I, I, we'll, we'll we'll leave it here because I, I I fear with this conversation we could probably be here for the rest of the afternoon. We all have things to take care of, but you're absolutely. I was
1: just going to say what what else are <laughs> uh, Max,
0: supposedly. I'm avoiding my kids right now. This is fine. You know what I like to do now? I like to get on the phone for 45 minutes and listen to the wait music at Home Depot or Bank of America. That's the stuff I'm talking about. (laughs) The time will be. But you're an absolute delight and uh, an incredible resource. And based on what this conversation, even the Zlatan game, number one, I think you're in line for a north end visit. So your L.A. privileges are through the roof now.
2: We we have that. We have toyed around with the uh, I'll, I'll put this publicly out there. Dating back to the beginning of last year, we've toyed around with the idea of we would like to be able to call a game in the supporter section somewhere to Ooh. to provide a little bit of a different feeling, a little bit of a different taste, particularly if it's a regular season game and it spices it up. Uh, LAFC was one of the supporters groups that we approached. The answer at last year was was no for a variety of reasons. That offer is still open from our part, um, that that would be a really fun thing to do is is so if – to. To the leaders of 3252, you know, we've, we've I know some, someone had the conversation with you. That'd be a place we'd love to do it. Um, if it's important, that's a place where I stood for a number of years watching games. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, we'd love to be able to sort of really experience it. Uh, that up close and personal while calling a game would be, would be a fun thing. So maybe perhaps. All right.
1: And now the ball is in hey. Max's court. Max, make it happen. <laughs>
0: hey, I'm here. We look, listen to you lines down are there, crossing. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, they love me in that North End. They love to hit me with beer. They love to hit me with smoke. I, I'm all. I'm Max O's in a beer I, shower. I'll i all, say, I'm a beer next shower. I'm
2: on the podcast, it's I'll R&C. tell the story of the time I was actually drinking during an LAFC game that I was calling, but we'll save that story oh, for another awesome. day. Great. That's a teaser and a half.
1: That's great. He even said John, he'd come on again.
0: John, thank you for your time. I hope you're safe and comfortable. It looks like it. Again, a lovely guy. We appreciate your time.
2: Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, actually getting to shout out Soccer players' last names again, but I appreciate oh. you. Uh, oh, I, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. I, I Hold on, wait, hold on. One little bit.
0: You always say how you're well-prepared, and I have to tell you this. My, my friend Diego, who's from Argentina, and he ripped me one because Ezequiel Barco, and I everyone calls him Ezequiel, and he me. why do you call him Ezequiel? And he goes, Ezequiel, and I go, darn. And then you did a game, and you called him Ezequiel, and I thought to myself, Diego would love you. So maybe I can make that. He was – he ripped me a new one, and then you said SQL and that was like again. That's how you prepare, right? I there. was going to
2: say that's that's a twenty-minute conversation is <laughs> name pronunciations. We could we could do an entire podcast on that, but I, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the the thought. I, you just try to. Just not embarrass yourself or the player's family. I right. guess is is that's the a tough for that. one. That's Thank a tough
0: you. one. I bet you Barco would say it's. You can call me either or. Yeah. But that's the press. Actually,
2: the more obnoxious thing. The guys who are like, I don't care. Like, no, you need to pick one. Is is it Chara or is it Chara? Is it Greenabomb <laughs> or Grunabomb? Dude, pick one.
0: Like, I don't care. Uh, uh, oh, I have some stories about that. For but we'll do it for another day. That could be a good. That'd be a good premise.
2: Part one of a ten part series. Yeah. Uh,
0: John, the great John Strong. Thank you for listening, everyone, here on Inside LAFC. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate it. And we'll continue to have first grade A list guests like John Strong. Good stuff. Thank you very much. See you soon, Vince.